everybody, welcome to my first interview portion of Deep Dives with James. In this episode, I get to interview Journey Heckart, who's a community builder, book writer, and motivational speaker. Her book was forwarded by Deepak Chopra, and she's appeared on Oprah. We get into a wide range of topics, including the ripple effect of vulnerability, ageism, love, compassion, community, and relationships. I'm so honored to have her on, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I brought you in because you um, taught at the Okanagan Yoga Festival, and I thought it would be beneficial to bring everyone in to um, find out what their message was and be able to send this out in podcast form so everyone can, who wasn't able to um, attend your class, who might not be able to for a number of reasons from geographic issues to they might be moms or fathers with kids. And this is a beautiful exercise in um, being able to uh, send out your gift to everyone else and just see um, what that is. So I'm really curious because I haven't met you before. And we just found out um, before we started recording that we know a few people. Jason, of course, from Straw House. Jamie Wood mm-hmm. um, from Atomic, Automatic. Yeah, she was my first Kelowna friend, actually, when I moved here. Right really? before I moved here a couple months ago. Really? Yeah. <laughs> she's actually a psychologist who is uh, studying our brainwaves and how we operate throughout the day to also see if we um, receive nourishment from the weekend that we might have had or if we come in uh, depleted. Yeah. And then how to uh, sort of turn that into actual items that will help us. So that's how I know Jamie. Yeah. And like I said, I actually have lunch. I'm having lunch with her tomorrow, so that's yeah. kind of fun. You have to tell her I said hi. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So where are you today? What are you currently working on? And like, what's the one thing that's like really motivating your day to day? I love bringing people together and creating community. That's what really lights me up. So really any way that I can do that where people need and crave support. I do that in nutrition with superfoods, creating support groups and fun ways for people to excite each other, do things together, do, you know, fun challenges together. I do it in um, what I call healthy happy hours. Mm. And that ties back to what I did at the Okanagan Yoga Festival. Yeah, right. It's a fun twist on happy hour. Mm. We're so used to going to events and mingling, maybe getting business cards, maybe even seeing friends, but very rarely do we get to really dive in and get to know people on a heart level and mm. values. And so I'll talk more about it later, but it's, it moves fast. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not sappy. It's like, it's fun. So I'll talk about it later. Yeah. It's connection, connection work, anything that I can do to bring people together, to help them realize that they're not alone in what they're going through. Because at the end of the day, we people, humans often feel so isolated or they feel like people don't understand. And yet so many people are going through the same thing. Similar stories, just looking different. So this is interesting because I went through this uh, this summer where I realized or found out that the best thing for us to do is to share our gifts or the journey of learning our gift. I have one specific example actually that recently happened that I found fascinating um, positive use of social media. That is, there was a girl in town. So there was a girl in town that I met. We had 
made an arrangement to do uh, photography. Um, she she was modeling and I, I was um, looking for creative work and we couldn't connect on that. There was too much going on. And one day I saw her at a coffee shop and I could tell from the energy that they were conveying that she was with this other man, both sharply dressed. He was about 20, 25 years her senior and I could just tell that I shouldn't make my presence known. I was going to say hi and just be like, oh, hey, like, nice seeing you. I knew that I should avoid saying hi. I messaged her just saying, like, you know, I saw you and da, da, da. She said, oh, yeah. Well, it's a good, I mean, you could have said hi, but just so you know, what was happening was this was the first day I was meeting my father for the very first time. Wow. Yeah. So she had done some dna research to find out who her father was what his name was and all this stuff the the story is quite amazing um in terms of who how her mother raised her and how this whole, whole thing transpired but the beautiful part of it in terms of you know what could transpire afterwards is that she shared her story and she shared that she was interested enough that she pursued it and she just wanted to have that person in her life. She knew that she couldn't go without it. So the point was, was that the next day she posted the story on Instagram and I shared that story saying that I was, I found it so beautiful that I was able to witness this um, coming together. And within three minutes, there was another person who or there's a person who messaged me to say, I can't believe this, but I've been struggling with this myself. I don't know who my own father is. And this is motivating me oh. to find out who he is and make that connection. Oh, wow. And I found it amazing because that to me is the power of sharing mm -hmm. and the positive power of social media where you share your vulnerabilities and say right now, you know, either I'm not okay, not sharing your dirty laundry, but to say, this is the journey that I'm going on. These are some realizations or these are some things that I need help with. She decided to share her journey of being fatherless, which how many people go through their life like that? Not many, but there's enough that I bet you there isn't a connected circle of people. Mm -hmm. And so she, you know, sort of at the beginning in, in the beginning stages of probably what is building community was shared her story. And through that, found others like her and and helped through like that mycelial web yeah. helped uh, motivate someone else to possibly find out her father. It's beautiful. It takes so much courage to speak out and to share something like that. But yeah, the ripple effect that can happen mm. when one person is brave enough to be vulnerable and to share something so personal. And then I love that. Sometimes we never know the extent that the ripple effect can take place. Right. But it just, it, it does, it takes that first step or someone being willing. Right. Yeah. So what are you, what are you uh, focusing on right now within that sense of building community? Is there a specific niche group? Or is it all communities or how's that? Well, so I've started with women. I was doing it when I lived in Vancouver for about a year and a half because people there kept telling me that it's so hard to make friends. And I happen to be a really good networker. I love meeting people. I love connecting people to each other. And I found incredible friends in mm. Vancouver. So 
I've been leading workshops for about 25 years. I know I don't look old enough, but I have. Wow. I did start young. And so I decided to put together my love of hosting events, my skill that I found over the years of networking, and my workshops. And mm. I started with just a one-time little thing, got 10 friends together, and they all wanted to do it again. So I would take feedback forms and it, it just it morphed into this beautiful thing. So when I came to Kelowna, I thought, I'm just going to start them right away when I'm, I've only been living here about six months. Wow. And so I've already done eight. And so I, um, yeah, it started as women because when you bring women together, it's just no offense. No, don't feel left out, but just something powerful happens. It's not all pillow fighting and <laughs> brushing hair. <laughs> Believe me, if there's one person who actually does know this, it, it is me. But I, I understand the the male fantasy of that. But no, I think it's I think it's it's incredibly important for women to get together because they need to talk about their their struggles, but also their triumphs. And, yeah, absolutely. And, That's know. what it is. It's the celebrations yeah. and honoring each other yeah. for that, and and just life, daily life. You know, being able to share in daily life. And it's different than women's circle style where someone might go on and on and on. Mm. It's timed. So everyone only gets about 45 seconds or a minute to finish a sentence or answer a question. And we move around the circle really quick. Some of the questions are more deep, maybe personal. Others are fun. And I mean, there's laughing, there's tears, there's friendships being formed. Mm. And Business has happened from that, but only as a side effect of people just really getting to know each other. And because it's only a minute, you can't get stuck in the story. So you are bringing people together through the sharing of physical space, the sharing of their stories, and then the outcome is not for any financial transaction or anything that you're going to look at in a certain metric. You just want to allow people to connect with other women Mm -hmm. who might be like-minded or helps bring something out in them, helps motivate them. And it's sort of that rock tumbler analogy where you don't know what's going to come out, but everyone's going to come out a little bit more polished, you know, in terms of that interaction. Yeah. Everyone always feels really fulfilled, filled up. Um, They feel understood. They feel, and and even though everyone has different stories, there's always similar threads in some way and people just feel, yeah, connected. Mm. And it's not just for women. I have done a co-ed one. I've been thinking of doing more co-ed ones, maybe, A dating one, we'll see, for singles to connect in a cool, different way. And um, I also, you know, a group that I really want to do it for, I want to start doing it for prenatals, women who have just found out they're pregnant. And what I see is that there's a lot more support for closer to um, the birth process, Mm. but early on to have that support. You know, I was thinking about that as someone who doesn't have kids, what that must be like, because it is literally and figuratively the same thing over and over again we think we're so unique sometimes in the things obviously it is your story is your body it's your process it's your child but since we all literally come from the same common thread Mm -hmm. there's been billions of people who have experienced this before so it's the best thing you can possibly do is find out from people who are experiencing the same thing at the same time as you and from people who have already been through it yeah. to help guide and mentor us. It almost, I don't want to get too deep into this because my knowledge in this topic is not far enough to, to comment on it, but it does make me think of 
um, some uh, Aboriginal ways of of holding community, mm-hmm. where there where you would bring everyone together and everyone had their um, you know really where we're it almost feels like we're missing a little bit of that wisdom being passed down where we look at older people as slow they're not like us they're you know they can't keep they they can't text as fast as us so they're not as useful or something but really they are like a treasure trove of experiences of understanding things that have happened in the world and so i found this is a really quick personal story but i actually was doing yoga at the ymca um a little while ago and it was actually doing yoga at the y that made me go deeper into my yogic journey because I noticed that the people that I would attend were less able-bodied. They were different age, um, different flexibility, age experience range, everything was different. When I go to um, yoga places that are sort of advertised towards the younger generation and everyone sort of shows up in their beautiful yoga clothes and everyone's sort of in it, Mm -hmm. you don't experience that community the feeling of community where you you are doing yoga beside someone who might not be as experienced or you do have someone who's incredibly experienced and that wide range of um people in that room and those interactions almost always comes out as a learning experience for everyone in the room yeah it's the diversity and i think that's powerful when you bring up that we don't get wisdom passed down from the elders as much Mm. it's almost like Google is the elder (laughs) and that's where we're getting our wisdom from. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. And we're missing that. And, you know, when we can hear from other people who are maybe just two steps ahead of us, Mm. it gives us hope to get through what we're going through now, Mm. knowing, you know, sometimes seeing the greats on social media, that can actually cause bigger depression for people when they're scrolling through the feed and that, you know, our, our brains aren't, wired to compare ourselves to the best of the best our brains are wired to compare ourselves to our tribe right and so to be able yeah to be able to connect more with people that are Mm like-minded and just see how they're two steps ahead that's those two steps that are needed to say okay i can get through this it's so interesting i definitely won't go too deep into this but what makes those other individuals the best of the best too i find is is much more circumstance than um you know, than actual skill or anything like that. Some people can be born into mm-hmm. certain gifted lives and whatnot. And and I don't find it incredibly helpful. I mean, if, if they can use their privilege to be able to, you know, uh, speak on behalf of, of a group, um, then all the power to use their celebrity for that status. But I do find there are an incredible, there's an incredible wealth of information of people who are right beside you. Um, which I guess is exactly what that lights saying. me up completely. And yeah. that's what it is. And not only that, we, we could sometimes be passing by people day by day that we actually have so much in common with mm. and have no idea. Yes. So in all of my workshops, what I do is I create opportunities for people to find out what they have in common. Mm. And I have fun little exercises. Again, all my things are one minute, three minutes max, nice. 
but it just expands our minds to realize, oh, someone sitting next to them that if they were in a one-hour talk, could sit there for an hour next to people, not talk at all, the talk yeah. ends and they leave. Right. Yet, whenever I have people together, I create that experience and they find out they were born in the same country abroad or, you know, they have traveled to the same random spot in Egypt mm. or there's just some really beautiful stories that I've heard that create these connections that people then feel bonded over. Journey, I wanted to ask you, I mean, your name says the, the very topic that I want to discuss how did you get to where you are? Because you are, we'll get deeper into what you're doing now, but you are a like motivational speaker almost. Uh, you run these community workshops. You have a book on the table, which I'm sure you'll get to. What motivated you to get here? And what were some of your like trials and triumphs that allowed you to be exactly who you are today? Mm, wow, that's a big question. Well, I definitely... A big part of why I'm here, I mean, literally, is because of my parents. <laughs> but really, the life that they've gifted me mm. starts with my name. They thought that having kids would be a new adventure and wanted to gift myself and my brother, I'll tell you my brother's name, with a life of travel. I was first. And then my brother's name is Quest. Wow. <laughs> Journey and Quest. So wow. they are definitely big thinkers. <laughs> wow. And Are they academics? Or are they... Um, they're, they're world travelers. My right. dad is from Belgium and my mom's from California and they met in the Bahamas. So it's a better type of academic. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they really did raise me with the idea of the world is your oyster mm -hmm. and everything is a flight away and really exposed us, my brother and I to cultures, different cultures early on. That definitely shapes part of who I am because what I learned growing up is that no matter what language people speak, no matter what part of the world we're in, humans at our core, we want the same things, which is to be loved, to be respected, to be seen, to be appreciated. At the core, that's all we want. Yes, there's all the different factors of living and life that play, but at our core, we all as humans want the same thing. And my mom was actually giving workshops since before I was born. And when I was 12, we came up with a talk together and she was asking me because she was going to do some parenting workshop and we started talking and she wanted my opinion of what, you know, makes us unique. So we came up with 10 things that we do as a family that just works. Not that we're perfect, not that we don't fight, but it's more about how we get through things, how we compromise, how we use communication to work together as a family. So we had our 10 steps <laughs> and I started going with my mom to give these talks. I would give the kids perspective. And I guess you could say I grew up in front of a crowd in that sense because I was 12. And I would, it's funny because I'd have my whole script written out every and it, the, <laughs> and I'd be shaking. But after the parents would come up to me and ask me what I thought about certain things that they could do with their kids, ideas or strategies or anything. And I was so honored and empowered by that. So we did more and more and the, the audiences grew. And then people started asking if there was information they could take home with them. So we wrote out a little script and we turned it into this book that was published by Putnam and endorsed by Deepak Chopra. We were on Oprah for it. It was kind of a cool adventure. 
Yes, okay. <clears throat> There's so much in there already, <laughs> way before we get to Deepak Chopra okay. and Oprah. No, tell me about that. <laughs> like, that's way more interesting. How on earth did you get to that point? Um, well, we were just being asked to speak at some really great places. I mean, everything from charity retreats to the Million Dollar Roundtable, which I couldn't believe, but that's like the 1% of insurance agents come for this once a year annual retreat. And we were asked to talk about fam balancing family life and work. So we started, our names were really out there. There were a lot of, there. we were kind of the only mother-daughter team doing this. Mm. And um, so we were traveling a lot for it. And our book, so we had an agent that helped us find the right publisher. We had three publishers in, involved and picked the one. It was also translated in Dutch. So that was wild. We did this whole media tour in Holland. Are you, is that your background by any chance? Or? My dad is from Belgium, so it's mm, not right, far, right. but it was just sort of random. Just yeah. And um, yeah, but I'll never forget being in that room where journalists for, I don't know, four hours, one after the other, they got 30 minute increments with us. And the questions were all the same. And that was another moment where I realized we're in you know, a different part of the world, different language, and they're asking the same things because parents and families are having the same mm. dynamic, same issues, same struggles with you know, communication. So you've found the common thread um, that all cultures share, and that is that everyone is trying to um, live their best life within the society that they're um, living in. And they have so many questions about what's the best way of doing something or how do I do something? Um, and the best thing that you would, could you summarize it in, in just being like, just ask, don't be afraid to ask and like get together with people and, and find out. It's almost like you're recreating the lost sense of, of community. You know, where, where, you know, you're talking about the, the elders that we don't really have right now. We have politicians and then we have, you know, uh, owners of companies and, and so on and so forth. And no one is really just like, who's our forest elder? Yeah, you know, like, right. We don't have one. There's the medicine man. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Or the medicine woman. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, obviously every culture is different and has their own things and, um, you know, but what I found in in some of the communities that I've worked with is it's getting out of our heads and into our hearts. Mm. And when we're able to do that, when we're able to step out of the intensity of the moment, mm -hmm. that can often make a huge difference. And it's easier mm. said than done because if you're heated in a moment, you know, that 10 steps or 10 breaths doesn't always, you know, we can't, not everyone can think about it in the moment, but when there is incentive, you know, I would work with the teens and I would say, I would help them understand that when they're trying to prove their point and they start telling their parents they hate them and mm. calling them names or getting louder, that doesn't necessarily help get their point across. That doesn't necessarily help them win. Right. So just offering strategies. And I, what I've done my whole life is never come from a place of this is the way to do it. Here's the answer. Mm. I always, regardless of whether it's in my workshops or in the book, even um, really just coming from a place of this is what's worked for me. Take it or leave it. Use parts that might work for you. We would always joke that, hey, if the book doesn't work, 
just don't throw it at each other. Right. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was fun because my mom wrote half the book for parents. I wrote the other half for kids. Yeah, there were struggles in that too, though, of being a teenager, doing that kind of work. It did set me apart from my peers. So that's a whole different topic. But Are you thinking of uh, writing a follow-up book or what are you kind of currently? My mom and I have talked about it a lot. Mm. And, you know, people say that this is timeless in a lot of ways. Although mm. now there's so much more with social media and, you know, cyberbullying and all of that. So um, it's definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I step into motherhood, that could be a really fun mm-hmm. time. That sounds like you're planning something. <laughs> well, you know, I'll see. <laughs> so you told me a bit about the journey, about how you got here with the book. You're, you, but tell me about the, the Okanagan Yoga Festival. Mm-hmm. So we both shared an experience a couple weekends ago where a woman named Kaylee put on, uh, she began with Banff yoga festival after a few seasons um that was successful enough that she brought to Kelowna and um there were over 20 teachers and uh, like close to 100 classes or something Uh, I don't even know the numbers I'd have to ask her but it seemed to be quite a weekend of of multidisciplinary connection with the you know with with people who came in from uh, all over uh i heard some even from the states there was interesting topics i mean we we would range from geez there was belly fit classes to sound bowl healing multiple sound bowl healing sessions yoga um, in the asana practice there were talks there were uh motivational you know speeches and therapy and then you know so what what was it that you wanted to bring to the community? And then what was it that you felt like was received by everyone in your class? Well, it goes back to community and connection. Mm-hmm. Because at a festival where everyone is there for a common purpose, and Kaylee did such a beautiful job of creating a space with so much heart and variety and so many incredible classes. And people still will go in and they'll leave Mm. and then they'll go into another class Mm. and they'll leave. And if you look at the direction of all of the yoga mats, they're all facing forward Mm. and there's very little, and it's just in general, right. Of any conference, of any festival, there's very little, yeah. Time to connect with each other. No, I just wanted to ask, do you like circles? I assume that's where I like circles with timers. Mm. I really don't like the ones that go, well, I can't say don't like it depends, but I don't personally do ones that will go on and on and on. Right. Hence my timer of a minute. Mm. You, I always joke, you've got a minute, not a month to get in mm. and get out. Nice. <laughs> and um, it just keeps things moving. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it fun. And that's what I like. So then, you know, there's always time after to connect and hang out. And so if people want to go in deeper with something, they can on their own time. Mm. But um, I do love circles when they're moving. <laughs> right. The fact that you were raised in the spotlight or whatever, on a stage. Sorry, you were saying? Yeah. Sounded bad. On a stage. On, on a stage. A yeah. <laughs> in front. On a stage. In front of an audience. Yeah. There. That giving, was it. giving talks. Yeah. Um, because you do have this presence in the way that you speak. It does sound um, um, practiced mm-hmm. in, in, in a positive way that you, you, 
have this way of speaking. And I noticed that even the use of, of rhymes and those little oh, really? things. Yeah, like I'm secretly you, a rapper and I don't no, know. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drop the beat. Um, <laughs> oh, you don't want to hear that. No. <laughs> no, um, maybe next podcast. Um, use of you have a minute, not a month or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, seems to be really memorable and you get it immediately what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, through that like analogy. I find that really powerful. So um, so what did you teach? Yeah, so I did my healthy happy hour. Um, we had to kind of focus on conscious connection is what we were more so calling it for this event. And it really focused on getting people to be able to look at into, in each other's eyes, talk about what they're loving about the event, who they are. So did you have to turn to a person beside you and interact with them? Was this one of those exercises that you'd hold? No, there wasn't okay. any touching or okay. patty cake, but I know what you're talking about. Right, I, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That is a fun game. Um, but it, yeah, so I usually start it with kind of an intro of what... Uh, or for this one, you know, kind of what to expect, why I'm here, what my history is. Gave everyone a chance to introduce themselves, talk about how they like to spend their time and um, do a little bit of journaling just to kind of, again, that idea of getting out of their head. And when we have even a grocery list, if you want to remember what you're, you've got, you know, got to get at the grocery store before going home, write it down so you can be present. So just kind of stress, I find. Yeah. Because I don't think our brains are actually meant to be uh, memory factories. I, I'm, I, I'm sure we could talk to Jamie about this another time, but our brain is used as a tool to figure out solutions to problems. And a list of things is not really a big problem, but by holding it in our brain, we make it a big problem. So one of the best sleeping aids for many people, if they can't fall asleep is to just write down whatever's on their mind because they'll immediately fall asleep if they don't have to process it anymore. See, I didn't know that, but that makes Mm, sense. So I was kind of on the right track without realizing it. Can I borrow that and share it? Of course. (laughs) Anything, you know, one of the biggest things, this is a, this is a personal thing, but anytime that you can remove your ego from being attached to an idea and say, I came up with that idea, the better our world I think will be by just sharing and gifting these piece of knowledge because I probably got that from a number of other people and yeah. from well and that's why Tesla that's why they're mm. like sharing all of their knowledge there right it's right. it's a better way when we can focus on collaboration not competition so Tesla in your reference um <laughs> open sourced all their patents so that any and every company can use their um their um IP or intellectual property without fear of litigation so um, Elon Musk has said that our world would be a better place if we can accelerate the growth of, of the electric vehicle. So he open sourced every patent that he had, saying that over a long period of time, we will make a more meaningful impact rather than more money in our investors' wallets. Yeah. And That's as a, pretty... a culture, we can grow and raise our vibration and our knowledge and our understanding. And mm. so, yeah, I believe in that. Yeah, why would you not want to be a part of that? <laughs> right? It's so powerful. Yeah. You had said uh, in between our break there that you wanted to circle back. Oh. What did you want to circle back oh, to? Oh, just the rest of the Okanagan Yoga Festival. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Well, what one of the things I asked the group when we started was, how have you found how have you found connection? Have has it been easy? Has it happened at all? And again, you know, at a, in a place where everyone's there for the same reason, 
And one of the girls said that there were five of them that came for a girls trip all together with the same purpose. And again, I mean, it's so awesome that there's so many great things to do, but they had spread out. And so she realized they hadn't really connected. And so what I love about what I've created is it's that chance to drop in, even if it's just for an hour and spend that time so that you get your cup filled, you get that time to, you know, learn about other people, to find commonalities, to share some cool things, and then go back out to all the awesomeness that's available. To get clarification, these five girls are friends that came on a trip together, but ended up taking different classes. So they weren't actually connected. Was in my group. Only one of them. Yeah. Right. In the class, you're saying you wanted them to be able to drop in, experience each other, fill up their cup, and be able to leave and go on beyond outside of the class. Yeah. So I find this in, you know, you did talk about how one of the community connecting things could be relationships. And it also could be, which is finding relationships. But I wonder if there's a commonality in existing relationships. Absolutely. I'm thinking of doing one for Valentine's Day for Ah, couples. Beautiful. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things that I think almost everyone works on is that they try and make certain things fill their cup, whether it can be work, um, partners, um, other types of accomplishments or, or meaning of uh, success in their life. And then they'll become addicted to it and rely on it. So I've had a few partners in my life where they um, look to me for their own fulfillment. It's too stressful because it's not internal and it's not um, eternal in the sense that they can't fill their own cup without my presence. And then that sort of affects my life. Yeah, that drains you. Yeah. And it's not it's not a healthy balance, in my opinion. I've always believed because there's that saying, you know, to when you're 50 percent, 50 percent, and then together you make 100 mm-hmm. percent, you make a whole. Mm-hmm. And I I find that very codependent mm-hmm. <laughs> without offending anyone. And 100 and together you make that, 300. That is you know? exactly so, what yeah. I believe. Yes. Nice. It's being your own person. So mm-hmm. before I met my soulmate, we've mm-hmm. been together almost seven years. And the year before I met him, I was really I've always been I mean, my parents raised me in personal growth. So I've done it a lot, but I really was focusing on it specifically being my own best friend kind of thing. Mm. And I'll never forget. It was a really good analogy I got from John Gray wrote men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Mm, I grew up with him. (laughs) He was my godfather. So I learned a lot from him and he taught me to, if you think about yourself as a meal, when you go to a restaurant, you can have a really great experience and just have your main entree and then leave. But when you have a dessert, it adds so nicely to that full experience. Mm -hmm. So he explained, if you can think of yourself as your meal, you're so fulfilled, you're so nourished, and then your relationship is the dessert. It Mm -hmm. adds to what's already great. Wow. I like that, right? I really like that. I always looked at it as the fact that our body wants simple car- carbohydrates <laughs> while we're processing <laughs> complex carbohydrates, but that's much or more. Or just long cravings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's the idea of really, like you were saying, finding your own happiness. Mm-hmm. And I've found so much, I've found so much joy in that. And it continues as work in the relationship that goes on because it can be easy to, you know, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to mm-hmm. do? And, oh, well, that's not exactly what I want to do, but I'll do it anyway. Right. So really just being able to self-reflect and check in and tune in and being honest with ourselves sometimes takes a momentary separation to ask ourselves some hard questions. You know, what 
nourishes me? What frustrates me? What do I need to say no to more often? That's a big one. And I think that's that actually, to me, is even more the point at a deeper level is that um, in relationships, or especially in between relationships, I notice that people really do not spend enough time outside of a relationship. But this is an exercise that you can do inside a relationship, but really taking the time to figure out what your gifts are, what your path is, what you like and dislike. I suggest uh, I, I went, I was a speaker at the men's mental health uh, awareness and I suggested they try an exercise called more or less same. And that is where you can take three different colors of, of red, uh, green and black and basically say, what do I want more of than green? What do I want less of in red? And what, what do I want the same of in black? I actually did this exercise when I was living in Vancouver in 2013. And the amount of stuff that was on the red and the green side was unbelievable. Very little was in the same area, which is where you feel like you're in your flow state or in balance and doing everything that you want to do. You're always craving more of something or less of. But the fact that I was actually able to put it down on a whiteboard gave clear, immense clarity to where I wanted to go in my life and actually helped direct where I am today. And if I didn't take that time, I, you know, could have been in a relationship where, you know, we rushed into having children or something that would have been unfulfilling or I would have been unable to uh, live the true life that I wanted to. And then I could have passed it, you know, the frustrations onto the children. You know, the, the whole thing is very cyclical. So if you just take a step back mm -hmm. and breathe mm -hmm. and talk to yourself and, you know, whether it's just you're having coffee and you have a journal, you're saying the power of journaling yeah. is one of them. I like going to yoga classes, doing meditation. I love talking to people after a yoga class. One of my favorite things. Good. See, not enough people do that. People will go and leave and that taking that extra few minutes to connect can not only be nourishing to yourself. But again, it goes back to the ripple effect. We never know what other people are going through and mm. a simple smile or how do you like the class or have you been here before? You know, it can create that little moment of someone being seen. And if they're mm. going through a phase in their life where they feel invisible or unappreciated or not important, that could have a huge shift in them. And we may never know. You know, and, and it's interesting. I'll use an anecdotal story there. Um, I was at our yoga space and, and I had the plan to go up to see my mom. And I knew that I had messaged her. I said, I'm going to leave at 1230. Taylor, who owns the space, uh, when I came out, I was the last one out because it takes so long to, for me to get ready, I guess. I was the last one out and she saw me and she said, James, we left some coffee for you if you'd like any. And I wasn't planning on staying for coffee. Um, there's a there's three other people plus her so I was the fifth and I decided to put my bag down and my coat and I went around the corner grabbed a cup of coffee came back and sat down for 30 minutes and I, in the very beginning my monkey mind was like you know you told your mom you're leaving she expects you there at a certain time da, da, da. but I immediately was able to just say you know what it's okay I'm actually I'm appreciated in this space my mom doesn't need me there at 1 30 versus two o'clock um, I can always message her but I took the time to just um, meet other members of the community and nothing like profound was said or done in the in those moments but I did get to learn a lot more about 
other yoga places and, and their journeys and, and what they represent to each individual that was there. Or just like more about the members that I practiced yoga with, who they were, what their names were. I would have just left out the door without ever knowing. And now I know exactly what their faces look like. Um, they're, you know, it's burning my brain. I'll be able to say hi to them next time. And I feel like that sense of connection brings me back to that space and, and to yoga in general because I, I really feel it. And I feel like my soul is nourished when I do that. I guess I'm just championing your idea. I love it. Connecting with people. It's making that time and that effort and seeing the value in it, even if it doesn't have an immediate value right away. Mm. It's just trusting that it's the building blocks for a different kind of success than what I think we usually think of as success. Mm -hmm. It's the success in the company we keep and being part of something that's meaningful. Um, one of the stressing um, factors in, in people's lives is that they don't embrace mediocrity. And that is the day-to-day -day tasks of brushing their teeth, of you know doing the laundry, doing their bed, making a meal, they skip it or they they rush it or you know conversations with friends or loved ones you know when we always say oh i wish i could take more time to call you know my parents or whatever but you do get to set that agenda and and you do get to set time aside and you'd be amazed at how much time you really do have in your day if you really look at the tasks and the outcomes that you're trying to achieve and pay attention like yeah. you said it, it's people who are rushing and i've done it too when we're rushing through tasks mm. So I, this ties to, I did a 10 day Vipassana silent mm. meditation in Thailand, um, years ago, and it was pretty intense. It's, it was in a Buddhist monastery. Everything was very bare. We slept on, uh, I'd, everyone had their own little room, but it was little like a pantry closet and literally slept on a slab of concrete, a slab of concrete. That was our bed. So, um, at, every day was just. Yeah. And there was no talking. There were a hundred people that started and about 50 that ended because people would quit. Wow. That's how hard it was. Wow. But at the end, one of the monks who lived there was closing it out. And he said, you know, we don't expect that all of you are going to go back and meditate every day, especially not for this many hours. And that's okay. He said, if you could at least be more mindful in the tasks that you do daily, that will bring so much more richness to your everyday life. And I thought that was really powerful because he mentioned like brushing your teeth, like you said, or even when you put spices in a meal, just the act of what we're doing to just be really mindful with those actions. And do you rub it in your fingers and smell it and like, I mean, that sounds it? like a really it's good like idea. A, I yeah. should. <laughs> oh, I, well, it's funny. The word that I have been using is cherish. Mm -hmm. Do you cherish the moment? Do you cherish the situation you're in? Yeah. Um, I use you, that in one of my questions. Oh really? Yeah. Cause it's a what different, yeah, exactly. Nice. Cause it's not used very often and it right. makes people think in a different way. Yeah. And it's like, in yoga specifically, because there's many ways of doing this, you don't have to do yoga in terms of anything that I say or suggest. It's just, I feel like it helps you cherish your breath. And that sounds so weird. Like, okay, what's your breath? Are they talking metaphorical breath? No, like literally, if you just stop and inhale, for that was just two seconds. It wasn't even a four or five second inhale. And then exhale slowly. 
you're resetting your nervous system and being able to ground yourself because you can be so anxious for so many things. And if you can just stop and, and, and listen to yourself, mm-hmm. not about the big esoteric questions of what we want to become in our life, but just listen to your body in that moment when you're, especially when you're stressed, mm-hmm. but even better if you can just do it more often. I will never forget when I was at Summer Hill and I love showing. So my mom's an aromatherapist and I do not know nearly what she knows or many other people know. So I'm not going to claim that I <laughs> know so much about plants. But in Kelowna, we have uh, lavender everywhere. And a lot of people don't know what it is or can identify it or only know it from doTERRA and, and other um, essential oil sources. They don't know the plant when they see it. Actually, as a wedding photographer, I find it really interesting because there's eucalyptus that's used a lot and the flat leaf, um, it's a flat leaf plant that just looks beautiful in bouquets. I love getting the bridesmaids to pinch or or use their thumb and kind of scrape it with their nail and then smell it with their hand and it activates the essential oil and the, the, the response, um, in their, like in their soul almost when they are experiencing these plants. A friend told me when he rubbed lavender in his hands, he took it and he just really rubbed it like this. And then he cupped his hands and and brought it like a a cup of lavender air, Mm -hmm. essential oil, up to his mouth. (sighs) Breathe in deeply. His eyes were closed. And then it took a second and I was waiting for his response. And then he looked at me and he was like, that was otherworldly. Wow. And then he just inhaled this essence of lavender and just sat there and i could feel his heartbeat go like 10 beats per minute lower yeah just by experiencing yeah peppermint is a good one to do that for allergies which Mm. i've had so (laughs) yeah no but it's so beautiful we literally have all the stuff that we need around us and we forget when we have the this technology like you know camera system and you know cell phone in our pocket and the microphones that we're using like we're literally in a closed room with no nature whatsoever yeah. in here, <laughs> True. which we will get out of here soon um, do a daily earthing you ever do that yeah. you just put yep. your feet in the oh, grass even if it's for it. two minutes mm. or you're doing a call just mm. put your feet in the grass it just it's it can be really grounding interesting i i was uh, i'm one of two individuals jason being the other who uh loves walking around here with our with our uh, in bare feet mm-hmm. so i i do do that and i love in the summer i garden barefoot and, and whatnot but the winter is a very challenging uh season for me and and being in canada it's So when I moved to Vancouver, I'm originally from San Francisco. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, I came about seven years ago to Canada because I fell in love with a Canadian on a cruise ship in the Bahamas. So, (laughs) you know, it worked out seven years later. But um, we moved to Vancouver just for a year and a half. And it's very gloomy there. Mm. And so my first winter was a rough one. And then I love the summer and leading out of the summer, I started asking everyone when they said they like the winter days. It's like, okay, tell me how. What do you enjoy? Yeah, Yeah. I want to be better at winter. So Mm -hmm. what are your secrets? And so what I learned, and I I put them in action, and I had a great winter. Um, So some people said hot yoga really Mm -hmm. helped them. And I'd never really been into hot yoga, just regular. But I started doing hot yoga. And it really does warm me from the inside out. And I had that plan that, hey, I knew it was going to be extra gloomy the next day. So I'd commit to doing yoga. And you know what? 
I think even if it was the placebo and it was just my mental commitment to myself to feel better by doing something, it worked. But you were operating around the weather too, which I find interesting. It was actually listening and reacting to the day. Pre-plan. Forcing yourself through it. Yeah, yeah very true. And then I got a juve light, which I guess is one of many different kind of lights that just give you that extra kind of. Is that like a sad light? I or think is it is. Okay. Which I find really ironic that they're called sad lights. Right. I'm trying to have affected. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but yes, it is. So I got we got a juve light, and mm. I would just 20 minutes a day, mm. usually before bed, and I just you know close my eyes, and I literally would actually feel when I close my eyes that I was laying on a hot sandy beach in Mexico or somewhere really tropical. And it's beautiful. It sounds like a tease. It was, it was, it was my 20 minutes of right. like, you know, just in a different world. Wow. Anyway, I find that tricking our brains can mm. really work. And right. if we find ways to do that, whether it's, you know, finding ways to be happy, I mean, happiness, it has in a way has to be earned. We have to work for our happiness. I think yes. I used to think that if you have a good life and you're a good person, you're happy. And then when it hit me hard that, no, everyone has moods, everyone has bad days, life happens, it takes effort, and we have to be on top of it. It's a muscle, almost. Right. Or if we think of it like a muscle, if we want to have abs, we got to work it. If we right. want to be happy, we've got to work at certain things to do what it takes to fulfill that for ourselves. And I, I find it interesting, too, that you use the example of traveling and going to a beach because... As I just said, I I do struggle a bit in the winter in Canada. I find when you are in a moment that is easily cherishable when you're traveling, you've worked so hard to save up your money or whatever to go on this trip, you're experiencing new things, you're going to cherish every moment. But you are, and this is getting a little bit spiritual, but you are alive every second of every day. And to me, when I can ground myself back to that realization that I am breathing, that I'm alive, I'm conscious, that I can have any thought that I want in my head and that I can experience almost any um, pleasure or thing uh, that's around me and I can cherish the food that I get to eat or that warm home that I have. There is so much to be grateful for. And I definitely understand, depending on what your background is, the prayers that people would have before dinner, you know, depending on your denomination or non-denomination. My sister, for example, as we, we grew up in a, in a um, atheist household, we would still say, what do we give thanks for? And we don't just do this at Thanksgiving. We would do this anytime we would get together. It's so easy to forget that, yeah. especially when you're too caught in your head, that you can almost um, give thanks to yourself just for existing. Yeah. And then you can be like, wow, there's so much. Sometimes it's as simple. I mean, on a tough day, maybe it's just, I am grateful I have 10 fingers, right? right? It's finding whatever in those moments. But um, yeah, no, I really love what you were saying. In every moment, wherever we are, and it reminds me of something that was said, the only person that you'll be with every second of every day is you, Mm. right? And I forgot who said that, but learning to love yourself and then going to your point, learning to love each moment it can sound cliche and cheesy, but if we just slow down and can take moments or in the speed of life, pause in a moment mm. and just cherish something, whether it's a sunset 
or it is a flower, you know, mm-hmm. stop and smell the roses. But yeah. really, I think that meaning does allow us to be present because otherwise days pass into weeks, pass into months, pass into years and time flies, right? It's the saying that all everyone says. So what are those memorable moments? If it's not a week in Hawaii or a week in Croatia. Can it be memorable, memorable moments that we make on a regular basis in our everyday lives? And I think that's part of those in-between moments. Mm. You know, it's in between the big successes yes. or in between the challenges. It's just everyday life, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, moments yeah. that are the mundane maybe. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it can make a huge difference because I think that's when people get stuck in their story. They get stuck in the drama. I've been, I've been guilty of it or getting stuck in, in a bubble of woe is me. And then if we're able to burst that and step out of ourselves, connect with other humans, realize we're not alone, um, laugh at something or cry at something or see something beautiful. It just, yeah, it gives us those memorable moments that slows time, I think. I was at a restaurant um, the other week, actually. It was in between the Okanagan Yoga Festival in between classes. And I had this meal and I received this glass of water. The waitress came up. I was like, I'm really thankful for this glass of water. She's like, oh, it is really good water. No, I'm like, no, just like, this is really nice to have. And then some, the manager passed by and she asked, she checked in and and. and the waitress jokingly said, oh, he's really enjoying the water. And she goes, oh, I know it's not that great. <laughs> and I, I was like, no, that wasn't sarcasm. I actually am enjoying this glass of water. They're all confused. Yeah. And like they thought it was a sarcastic dick or something. And I was like, no, that's like, it's funny that a lot of people don't cherish water. I, I think it's actually, I actually learned this from my best friend growing up, uh, this guy named Stefan, that when you are with someone one of the best things that you can almost ever do is want to heal them in, in any way or make them their lives better in any way. That's almost why we're out, you know, with our partners or our friends. So when you have a friend over or you observe a room who's been together for a while, this isn't just when someone walks in, but you observe the room and just ask if anyone wants water, you would be surprised at how much people's faces light up hmm. just by offering water. Because it's such a basic need and requirement that we forget how much we want it or or need it. And when it's offered to us through someone else's intuition or reading body language, then they're like, oh, thanks for thinking of me. And thanks for offering, you know, the substance that um, is like necessary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I find as, you know, we were talking about my uh, search for a partner or whatever, um, I have had a difficult time finding other people who cherish the small things because our entire life is a string of small things put together. There might be a moment that you have on a beach in Croatia or something where you're like, wow, this is like a divine territory, like this place, the, the, the sand, the color of the water. But you can do that in this room. I'm enjoying this conversation immensely. And it's something that, you know, you can take that with you into your next experience and your next experience and your next experience. I think overall, you'll have a much more positive life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. It's it's taking those pieces and then who can we share it with too, right? Mm. Who can we continue the those moments or those conversations or those seeds that are planted and right. spread to, you know, 
help others. It's that yeah. ripple effect again. Yeah. When you fill your cup, you're more able to fill others. Yeah. And what if it's, you know, maybe not a week in Croatia, but maybe it's sticking your feet in the sand before the snow hits it in your sweatshirt and your toque and your scarf bundled up. But really, I mean, there is so much beauty everywhere and it's just perspective, right? It's interesting. I don't mean to change the topic too much, but the connection with water, and I'm not going to get too spiritual here, but I did have a instance this summer where I was having a discussion with a yogi who was going through a difficult time. And I had a very meaningful thing that I wanted to say and write. And I ended up getting here to work and I, I didn't give myself the time and presence to be able to write this dialogue. And instead I ended up seeing a meme or something on Instagram and I forwarded it and I was like, here's, here you go or whatever. And they looked at it and they're like, that's not really helpful. In fact, I find it, you know, um, disengaging or I find it, you know, hurtful that you would send this to me because I sent it without context and I sent it without my deeper understanding of what I was trying to communicate the, the meme or whatever it was actually related to what I wanted to say. And I tried to send it without uh, presence and it turned out to upset this individual and it turned into this thing where I was so confused how my intention was to help and be positive and it was received so negatively and then I decided to go for a walk I'm only a block or two away from the water and I sat on this little stoop and put my feet in the water and almost immediately I was like oh I understand I'm bringing up a sensitive topic and I wasn't asked to poke at those pain points. I was observing something, trying to be helpful, but I ended up, you know, putting a spotlight to a wound. And I, although my intentions were pure, the way that someone receives it is not um, always going to be what I think or hope. And so I was able to put myself in that individual's position and say, oh, Maybe I wasn't helpful in this instance and I wasn't present to be able to give um, myself in that moment to say this is what I was thinking. So I was able to apologize because I removed myself from this anxious space. Offices are often anxious in terms of the lighting and the people and the environment, whether it's music or no music. You just feel stressed around like people are watching you and you need to perform in some way. And so when I was able to leave and just observe nature the birds the water the wind the clouds i was able to lower my heart rate remove the anxious thinking bring myself back into this like connective moment and i was able to apologize and repair almost immediately sort of what had transpired so i think there's a lot to be said about taking that time to yeah it sounds like you're really good at taking moments to reflect and that is so powerful that goes such a long way in your own growth and connecting with other people so yeah taking that focus knowing that you were going to go somewhere in nature and just sink in and kind of take a step back kind of gives a different perspective right than being right up in it yeah yeah it's beautiful so journey one thank you so much honestly for coming in um, having me. and having this conversation it was really uh, lively like an engaging and I, I feel really connected with what you're doing I think there might be other people who are really connected with what you're doing and I know that you have a lot on the go you have a website 
Instagram, et cetera, that they can follow. So why don't you why don't you tell our listeners how they can find you and find out what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. My website is journeyhencart.com. It's my first and last name. Journey Hencart. Journey Hencart, yep. And same thing for Instagram. You can find me with my first and last name. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one. So it'll be easy to find me on there. I'm just always open to collaborations and finding ways that I can help bring connection and community to people. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. It's been fun. We'll have to do uh, another one sometime. Oh, of course. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I would, yes, let's do a follow-up, please. Okay. I hope you enjoyed our talk. I plan on having many more people in Just Like Journey. Let me know how you found this format in length and in quality of content. As always, like, share, and subscribe. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy your journey.